you will always stand out. You will always outshine your competitors. And I use that loosely too, in quotation marks. If you are constantly, constantly putting your client and your prospective people you're serving first and putting everything else about you second. I just need to take a deep breath and like bask in the wonder of that. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the marvelous Katrina Summers. Katrina Summers is the sales confidence coach, founder of KSB, an all-around purpose-driven unicorn. After 10 plus years in corporate sales and overseeing more than 80 million in sales, she decided it was time to take her knowledge, experience, and just plain badassedness and embrace her passion. To put it simply, helping her clients get intentional with their sales process, to stop hoping and praying for sales and clients, and start building their six-figure business the proven way. Katrina is on a mission to have an impact on a million entrepreneurs so that they too can enjoy more freedom, own a thriving business, and eat dinner with their family every single night. Katrina, I am so freaking excited to have you on the show today. Please enlighten us. What do small business owners need to focus on this week? Well, thank you. I am so excited to be here. And, you know, I would say that this week, small business owners need to, they need to get true and intentional on what their goals are and who their ideal client is. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because I feel like in my space lately, I've been coaching and I've been hearing and reading a lot of just general, you know, impact statements or statements that they're trying to have an I help statement but it's so broad that it confuses their their potential buyers. Oh, you mean the people that I'm like, who do you work with? And they're like, mm -hmm. everybody. Yes, yes, yes. Those exact people. And when they say everybody, it confuses me. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, how do they do that? What do they do? And I want to know all their, all their nuggets. But I, you know, I get into those conversations and I don't even know why I go there, but here we are. And I just think, okay, so that has stood out to me this week that... Please, if you're doing yourself one favor this week in your business is to truly know who you're targeting and who you can help. Because if you're an expert in that area, you will be able to offer value and help those around you instead of just trying to take every Bobby, Joe, Katrina, you know, Annie across the board. So make sure that you truly can offer value to them. Absolutely. Because specificity sells. A hundred percent. And, and it's just, it's so interesting. And I get it because a lot of the people that I work with and a lot of my clients and my peers and just the people that I enjoy, my bleeding hearts all across the world, they are so hesitant to niche slash niche down because they feel like doing so is neglectful. And I tell them, 
But hold on. If there's only a limited amount of you, meaning limited time, limited energy, limited brain power, limited willpower, all of those different things. If you are, if you're worried about neglecting the people that you want to serve, why are you spreading yourself so thin? Then you're luring them in and neglecting them even more. If you start with the specifics, you find a smaller cadre of people, but you can deliver more value to each of them. Do you agree? A hundred percent agree. And I think people, they get fearful of if I'm not broad, if I niche down and I, you know, that's a whole other topic, niche versus niche. I don't know. I say niche. <laughs> Anywho, so, but when, I, I feel like people fear when they niche down what that looks like, how much money they're actually going to be able to make. Because a lot of business owners, they get into the entrepreneurial world and unless they're like, you know, me and you who are just loving life and love sales and love everything about it. And then some of, you know, people are out there to make money and that's okay. I a hundred percent love money. But what Uh I would say is they get fearful of niching down too much. And then they don't feel like there's enough business out there where they need to really rethink that and restructure that in their head space of, you know, if I niche down that I can, just as you said, offer more value. I can offer a specific group and dedicate the time to them. Um, And then that goes into the whole other thing of like knowing your value and how much you're charging and things like that, because, you know. There's a lot of stuff out there. So anyways, don't get me on my soapbox about that. (laughs) Get on any soapbox you please here on TLTQ. But you know, there's there's a huge ocean of difference between I serve everybody or even just I serve women identified people and what people think niching is, which is like I serve third grade teachers in Illinois named Tabitha who have cats. Like, okay. If that's your target market, then yeah, cool. uh, good for you. I might want you to be a little more broad on that, but there's so much space. There's so much room between those two extremes. And, and one of the things that I constantly wind up working on with people, and I'd love to get your take on this when they're trying to figure out who their people are, is they're getting really hung up on demographics, which have value. But I prefer to really drill into the psychographics, the problem that they need solved, the emotional place they're currently in and what they're striving for, which is why I also love that you brought up knowing what your goals are, because we also got to know what the client's goal is. That to me is one of the most important markers of is this person a fit for me or not? Can I take this person to the mountain or not? And I think that's exactly it is that I know it's it that you want to, you want to see the transformation. I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? Is because we want everyone that we're working with, heck, I want everyone to feel that successfulness, whatever that means to them. Um, But what I would say is that they think about goals and you think about what that means to you, your client, whatever it is, it can mean such a variety of different things that we really need to shift. And you talk about that emotional attachment. So many people go into the sales call with the same pitch for every single person, right? Oh my God. And it's like, you are not serving a purpose. You sound like a broken record. It drives me insane. And that sounds, you know, super uncaring. 
but it's just like, I want to just take them, wrap them in my arms and say, listen, everyone needs something different. Even if they tell you it's budget, for example, they may not even know that it's not actually budget. It's that they're married to someone who controls their finances, who doesn't want to invest in them. So how do you, you know, so it's like, how do you really figure out that emotional attachment to understand what it is that's really holding them against finding the the perfect fit to move them forward in whatever goals they're trying to attain? If you send me a formulaic email (laughs) that is supposed to feel personal, and I teach people how to write form emails that feel personal. I'm not talking about those kind. I'm talking about like we were talking in the pre-chat Somebody sent me an email that was like, Dear Annie, I heard you on insert name of podcast here. But when I Googled you, I was concerned to see that you haven't been on any other podcast. Uh, you didn't <laughs> Google me. Like, am I ever going to respond positively to that email? I've been on a shite ton of freaking podcasts. 10 seconds of research would have changed that email to... Hey, Annie, I see you're on a bunch of podcasts. Are you doing your own booking? That probably takes a ton of time. Would you be interested in help? That is a 10 second difference of research and 10 second difference of copy. And that would have taken me to the point where I would have given them a chance. I would have gone to their website. I would have responded to their email. Instead, I'm like, cool. I'm number 9,756 that you sent this email today and you don't care about any of us. I'm glad at least it said, dear Annie, instead of dear number 907,056. Well, the best ones, let's be real, is when you do get that, like, it's supposed to say, dear Katrina, it's like, dear insert names here. (laughs) Oh, I've sent those too. I I know me too. Let's be real. And listen, I don't want this to be a bash about cold, like prospecting and calling because I just did a bunch of it this morning. (laughs) Like I believe in it. I just know the value that it brings to really understand who you're going after and your ideal. (laughs) But if you're going to do cold and like, I don't teach cold, but I have no problem with cold. Like I, if you're going to do cold, by all means, make it interesting. I get hit up by cold stuff all the time. I get hit up by people that want to be on this very podcast and I have no clue who they are. And it's not like I'm this like huge freaking deal. But if you send me something that says, hello, I would like to be on too legitimate to quit. This is my bio. And it doesn't say anything about the pop culture piece or mm-hmm. it say anything about the zaniness or it doesn't say anything in the tone, then I know that you didn't actually research my show. And that's why right. I'm again saying specificity sells. Yeah. And just taking, it literally takes how long? Two minutes to put someone's name in Google and truly just read the top three things. And you're like, oh, wow, I know that person from the time they were born till right. today, 2021. <laughs> Did you, you know, take a peek at my freaking Instagram? Like, <laughs> come on, y'all. It's not that hard to research people in this era. Come on. I know. And I think that we're so passionate about that uh, because we know that it, 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 it seems hard and it's a mindset when you really have to like go after business. But it really is so easy if you were going about it the right way with the client in mind instead of your pocket. So anyways, yes, here we are. Yes. And that is how I define the biggest key between non-sleazy selling and sleazy selling is non-sleazy selling acknowledges that it's a person that's reading the email. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
It's a person on the other end of the phone. It's a person that you're cold calling. It's a person that you're connecting with. It's a person that's gotten on your calendar for a discovery call. It's somebody with wants and needs and desires and problems to solve. It's not just another walking wallet. Walking wallet. I love it. I'm going to use that. Can I Do use it. that? I'll, oh, I'll yeah. use it in quotations with you, but um, that is hilarious walking wallet. Well, the word sales has this like weird, icky feeling to it, right? I'm oh, yeah. like, I seriously think that's how you stood out so much to me other than just your, you know, your badass personality, but <laughs> just that sleazy piece on the front end of sales. I'm like, yes, there she is. <laughs> um, and, but the word sales has this weird, icky feeling to yeah. it. But if you think about it, if you approach the prospect or the person that you want to help solve a problem, then you're actually doing them a favor and you're being of service. So when you can get into that space, it's so much easier to get out there. Like I woke up this morning and I said to my my husband's like, what's going on with you? I said, listen, I'm just so excited because today's a day I kind of just do outbound or I get back to like prospective clients maybe haven't worked with in the past. And I love, it's my favorite day of the week, favorite time of the morning, because I'm like, you know, you have to love the, I, I use the word game loosely, but you have to love that chase and that helpfulness and that what you add to people's lives as much as you love the money. See, but I love that you just tied the chase with helpfulness because I feel like the chase is one of the Glen Gary, Glenn Ross things that's so bastardized in selling of like, I'm just going to do a bunch of cocaine and make a bunch of money and contact as many people as I can. Rah, 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 I'm a salesman, rah, right? But instead, it's like, how many people can I blow their minds today? Mm-hmm. Or or not even how many, because it doesn't always have to be a quantity game, but like, hey, what can I do for myself today? And what can I do for other people today? And how can I have a really amazing day by showing up and freaking serving? Because let's just say this sentence over and over for the rest of the episode. Selling is serving. Selling oh, let's say it. Yeah. Serving. It is the gateway to everything that you want to do in this world in terms of the legacy or lifestyle that you are trying to create. If you're unwilling to sell, then you are unwilling to serve. I love it. Oh my gosh. I swear everyone hold tight because Annie and Katrina are going on, going on tour. We're going on tour. (laughs) We're going on tour and we're going to call it like sales bitches who aren't bitches. Yeah. Let me show you how I done. No, I'm just kidding. but I can see. It. Can you just picture it right now? Like it would be so fantastic. We'd have to have some really strong people that don't really mind being called out in the moment. But like having like <laughs> actionable role playing in yes! the moment, and it's like yes! real reality TV, like of the sales world. Oh my That's gosh, my I'm getting all the nuggets right That's now. My but freaking dream though, and no one out there listening to us take our thunder. <laughs> But, you know, it's so funny in that, like, another thing that you brought up, which I think is is all about this idea of, like, the chase and, and giving and all these things, is one of the other misconceptions of sales is that it if I want to succeed in sales, I have to beat you down. It has to be the Annie show, not the Katrina show. If money is going into my wallet, it's not going into your wallet. If it goes into your wallet, I lose. And one of the things that I just got from you immediately when we wound up on a stage together on Clubhouse is like we very easily could have been pitted against each other, like the battle of two atypical saleswomen. And instead we were like, 
uh, we couldn't like the rest of the room faded away. It was like a movie. It was just you and me, and it was like da 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 da, and we were like, oh my god, there's another person out here doing this with me. I'm not doing this alone. This is incredible. And everyone else in the room were like, can we get back to the topic, please? And we're like, no. I feel like we were just dropping so many, like, <laughs> like just <laughs> straight stellar content on there yes. in our own little world that people yes. are like, whoa. They're like, okay, these two need to go on tour. Yes, we will. Yes. We will. We will. Everyone hold tight. But uh, yeah, I know that when... Collaboration over competition. You yeah. know, that's my jam. I was going to say, that's your jam. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about what you think the role of competition is. Do you consider yourself to be competitive? And also, how do you know when collaboration is a better, safer, more lucrative choice for you? You know, I, I've always been an incredibly competitive person. It's my nature. I, you know, there's a new room or whatever it is similar to clubhouse i forget the name of it but when you go in there i learned that you can collect gems and i was thinking to myself last night, i actually sent my my friend a text oh now i'm going to be in here because i want to collect all the gems and i'm like what is wrong with me you know <laughs> and so i am super competitive but i have always been the type to collaborate to, so we all win because when we're all winning it feels so much better do you want to be number one by yourself? Or do you want to be number one with the tribe and just the hype around you that, you know, that you've all got there together. Yeah. And part of why I left corporate America is simply that, right? It's that, especially, you know, not to pull the whole gender thing, but the female in corporate America, <laughs> look out people, because yeah. it can become so competitive, right? And for me, I have always been one to when I'm in a director, when I'm in any kind of level, I want to make sure I'm setting everyone else up around me for success. If I was to like, you know, be hit by a bus tomorrow. And yes. part of that, part of that strategy is literally teaching the people around me. I don't care what their title is, every single thing I know. And for me, I've just put myself in this position with people that they look at me and they think that, right. They're like, wow, what a mentor. Wow. What a, you know, like I, I've created that. And I'm so grateful for that. I couldn't go on and on about the people that I have in my life because of that. But when you get to a point where you look around and you don't have people ready to jump and help you no matter what, then you have done something. And I would really consider it like saying, you need to gut check yourself, right? Yeah. You need to see why you are standing alone. And if that's your choice, you love that. That's great. Go on with your bad self. But if you are trying to collaborate, if you're trying to be part of a movement, be part of a, you know, a story and make change, you need, you need to rally. You need to have your tribe. You need to have the people, you know? So anyways, yes, girl, collaboration over competition every day. But that being said, I'm going to go freaking collect all my gems. (laughs) You are such a goof. You can have all of my gems. That's how I was like. (laughs) Only children have uh, a reputation for not being sharers. And I've always resented that because I've been much more of a like, would you like some of my lunch? Can we be friends? I'll give you half a sandwich. And they're like, I don't want your sandwich. Go away. Really? Oh. All of my gems. Are you an only child? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, oh yes. I didn't get that when I Googled you. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Well, it's there. But the but the other thing is that like when I grew up, I am not com- like I'm not competitive at all, at all. And like my I am well known that if we are like playing a board game with friends, the only thing I want to do while we play the board game is like somehow turn everyone against my husband because I get sick pleasure out of that. Um, but other than that, like, do I care if I win? No, I care if Ryan loses, but do I care if I win? No, but, but one thing that you brought up there that I think is so key and, and I'm always trying to help my small business audiences understand is a lot of small business people carry around baggage from when they were in corporate and you teach a lot of selling in corporate environments and to small business. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that relationship of you have to sell this way? You have to ring your bell. You have to meet your quota. You have to get your, you know, your metrics in and fill it in your express, your Excel spreadsheets and all of that. What do you, what do you see as, the pros and cons of both of those worlds of sales or the interaction, or I'm just so curious because you still have one foot in that corporate space. And I, meanwhile, mm-hmm. was like, burn it down. <laughs> I think that, that I, I love that question, actually. And this is what I'll say to that is no matter where you're selling, who you're selling to, if you're a one man band, if you're leading a team of 600, you should always, 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 in my opinion, be focusing on the behaviors, not the results, right? So when you think about tracking and putting numbers, listen, I'll, I'll throw Salesport up because again, it, it creates this friendly competition, yeah. but I'm not all about, you know, how many, and now I used to be, let me just say that I used to be when I first started, I was a sales manager years ago. I was very much so like, no, you need to go do 50 calls and you need to do this and you need to do that. As I grew, as I, you know, went and did sales trainings, attended sales trainings myself, I quickly realized that it's not quantity over quality, right? It's not how quick can we burn these people out? (laughs) And it's what behaviors, what are we teaching our sales teams? How are we empowering them to make decisions themselves? So the results follow because of the behaviors we helped create. So that's my thought on it. And again, it goes back to the small business owners or corporate America, selling, Selling is selling, in my opinion. It's all about your process. It's all about your intent. If you're just checking the box to get it done with, you're never going to see those results. But if you invest in yourself and you see yourself transitioning, asking the right questions, really wanting to figure out what the issue is for your potential buyer, then that's, for me, that's winning in sales no matter where you're at. Ask so there's the right questions. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I, I feel like I say all the time, I'm a broken freaking record, asking the right questions and then shutting your beautiful mouth and listening to the answers. Because even the best questions do you no good if you just prattle them off at the person there and go, okay, well, I've asked all my questions. So now we can move on. Like, no, no. Yes. Questions <laughs> have answers. Well, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. We are two of the same. We are just the same. So this, you know, you provide your client with a list of questions like, oh, these are some great questions to really talk through with your clients and thinking that I remember when I first started this process with my sales team, (laughs) when I was in corporate America, thinking that they would use those as somewhat like, oh, okay, I'll ask this question. Then I'll, depending on what happens, I'll go here. No, it was like, hi, you know, (laughs) what's your budget? 
and I hate that question too. What's your budget? What's your, what's your this? But I'm like, did someone just talk about McDonald's French fries and how delicious they are? And now you're asking them about where your kid stubbed his toe. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how did we get you here? need to allow the natural flow of the questions to do their job. Yes. yes. Preach. Love it. Oh, I love it. I freaking love it. I feel like, ugh. It's just so nice to find a kindred spirit, y'all. Side note, listeners, go find people that you think are your competitors and prove to yourself that they're not. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, we could talk about that for hours. I mean, we could talk about that for hours and hours. But, you know, one thing that you mentioned and that I already said is like, I freaking do not teach this, but I believe in it, but I don't teach it. I would be remiss if I brought you all the way here and I didn't at least ask you. For people that are considering or relying on cold calls, do you, or cold outreach of any kind, do you have a quick do or don't tidbit to help them course correct in that before we move on? Okay. So do your research. And when I say research, at least know who you're targeting and don't go in with your pocket in mind. If you mm-hmm. add, offer value, you see it on Facebook. Let's use Facebook, for example, real quick. You see it on Facebook, right? In these groups, people are posting all about themselves. You should be the last person that you're talking about in any Thank of you. your posts. Thank you. It's, it's like when I come on a podcast, right? It's about you, Annie. I know you're making this podcast really a lot about me and sales, which I love and thank you. But really, when I came on, my intent is like, how can I serve Annie's audience? Yeah, it's not right? about me. It's not about mm-hmm. you. It's about them. Hi, guys. It's about you. Hi, guys. Yes. Sales people that you want to talk about competition that win and stand out against the competitors, that will be the nugget. You will always stand out. You will always outshine your competitors. And I use that loosely too, in quotation marks. If you are constantly, constantly putting your client and your prospective people you're serving first and putting everything else about you second. I just need to take a deep breath and like bask in the wonder of that as we transition to an equally immense and incredible topic, which is Katrina, do you believe in life after love, after love, after love, after love, after love? What does any of this have to do with share? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I believe in life after love, after love, after love. <laughs> I know my how, how hard I try. <laughs> you keep pushing me. And so, you know what? That actually circles back to like so many things with sales, right? No matter how hard we try, sometimes our future clients are pushing us aside. Yeah. Oh my, I just realized that that's part of the song. But you know what I love about Cher? <laughs> what? I love that Cher is so authentic and she's just this beautiful, in my opinion, soul out there doing all the things. And she always stays true to herself, right? And she's always been, she stays relevant though. And that's the key. Stick with what you know, stay consistent, but you stay relevant. You stay in the know, you, you pivot, you do things that you need to, to stand out, but you never change the inner, inner morals and the inner strengths that you have. So I freaking love share. I love share. I do not begrudge your share love one bit. Not at all. I mean, number one, I'm a moonstruck girl. I think if you're an Italian American in this country, like you have grown up being required to watch moonstruck at family functions. That was certainly true in the past and easy household. Um, But I, I think one of the things about share is that 
think about the sheer number of people that must have told Cher, you're too big, you're too loud, your voice is too weird, take that weird thing off your head, why are you dressing like Elvira, no, you can't be in a movie, you're too old, you're too this, you're too that, you can't produce, you don't dance. Like, I just think about all the times that Cher must have heard no, or Cher must have encountered haters, and by her sheer strength of Cherness, she just did it anyway. Right, she just kept going. You know, she was, um, before she started singing, she was on TV, so I'm sure that she, you know, had a lot of different things coming at her. Um, And she just kept doing her thing, and she kept showing up of who she is, and yes, like all those big, huge head things. What are those called? Like, you know, when she would wear like this spiky thing, giant head pieces. Yes. (laughs) So yeah. And she just kept bringing it, but you know what? That made her stand out, right? That showed and people knew where she was. So yeah, I love that. And I love like Cher is such a big, huge presence, but she also does quiet vulnerability and honesty so well. Like if you get Cher in an interview and they ask her about her son, Chaz, or they ask her about when Sonny Bono died, or they ask her about her struggles or what she wants to do next, or she gets a really beautiful compliment, you will see, again, still staying in authenticity. It's not like the veneer breaks, but you will see Cher literally step down off her pedestal and just be a really kind hearted person. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so awesome too, because so many times, as my friend Keisha would call it in these internet streets, we feel like we have to be the loudest, the shiniest and the most bombastic, but sometimes, and, and that's important, right? Shiny has value, loud has value, but sometimes I feel like what people really want to hear from us is just the truth. Yeah. I, a hundred, like, you know, that reminds me of, to your point, I'm a loud, I mean, you're a loud person, I'm a loud person, but we also have these moments and it's in those moments. And that's what I love so much about her, that people see a whole other side of us. And we kind of talked about this pre-show too, is that we all are human. We all have pieces of us that we may not see all the time, but you still show up as Amy, I still show up as Katrina. And even in those moments, you are gaining so many more followers and so much more respect from people who think you're just this obnoxious. You know, I've had people yeah. to be like, oh my gosh, you're so low. You're so loud. You're so like in the face. I'm like, oh no, I just love life. This is just my energy bubble all the time, you know? But there's moments I was on Clubhouse a couple of weeks ago and something struck a chord about the mentorship, mentorship program I have. And I teared up and, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, oh gosh, but do you know how many people reached out and just, an entirely different group of people of pure, like that was incredible. That was amazing. And I think sometimes in this entrepreneurial world, we don't give ourselves enough credit to be human, right? We put so much pressure on ourselves as small business owners and circling it back to share. She, she is just a living, breathing unit that just shows that all around vulnerability, boisterous, just incredible human being. So that's my second nugget for the small business owners. My first was ideal client, but I'm going to say, keep doing you small business owners because yes. your people are out there. And even if you think you have to stand and be the same rock every single time, 
there's moments that will happen that you need to, they need to happen and it's okay. Yes, it's okay. It's okay to show more than one side. It's okay mm-hmm. to show more than one level. And it's okay to show sometimes. And this oh, entrepreneurship, especially on the internet, is so damn glossy. And a lot of it oh, is I know. that you can't even tell anyway. It's okay to be real. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to sometimes not post because you're having a bad day. It's okay to have a post about how entrepreneurship is hard. It's okay to have a post about a sale that you lost, even when you teach freaking sales. It's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay. It's okay to get teared up on Clubhouse. <laughs> it's okay. It really is okay. Fine. And for all those listening to us right now, Annie, it, you know, I want to say show those sides because your audience want to see that, right? Your audience want to see that you are not this beautiful, perfect wrapped up bubble that can do no wrong and you get every single sale. And yeah. so I love that you just mentioned that. It's so important because the internet is cray cray. Something I think about all the time on episode, like, I don't know, five or six of this podcast, I interviewed this great guy named Ryan Alpert and he and I were talking about Cobra Kai, but his, his quote that really got me was real wants to do business with real. Mm -hmm. And I just think about that all the time. Real wants to do business with real. And freaking real. Oh my God. Yes. I don't want to do business with gloss. If I want to pay to see a show, then I want to pay to see a show and I want to pay to be dazzled and, you know, for Kelly Clarkson to belt my face off and and it'll be all wonderful. But it does matter to me that I feel like giving my money to Kelly Clarkson is giving my money to a good human being. Mm-hmm. It matters. It, I mean, she's a mom. She's going through a divorce. Like, I don't need to read teen. Is she going through a divorce? Yeah. That's sad. I haven't read that. Yeah. It's real, real sad. But like, you know, Mm -hmm. she, she just did this talk about real. She just um, performed at the um, Kennedy honors this year. What are those called? The, the freaking Kennedy center. Yeah. Emmy. No. Dang it. It's like a lifetime achievement award. Anyway. But she just performed at it. They always have people like pay tribute to the people that are getting it. And she was chosen to perform for Garth Brooks. And she sang the dance. And she sang this like gorgeous, bare bones, lovely, understated, powerful, tear inducing, stunning, real version of the dance. And Garth Brooks is just sitting there like crying his eyes out because Real wants to do business with real, but real also resonates with real. Oh, I have the chills. I'm not even joking. Yes, because I mean, that probably meant so much to her, right? Because what is the main line? Something like you could have missed the pain, but you you would have had to miss the dance. Yep. Or something. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. And I told my husband, I was like, Kelly's going through a divorce. So this is probably really hard. He's like, why do you know that? I'm like, I don't know. Twitter. I don't freaking know. Anyway, it's not funny. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the fact that seriously, sometimes we know the most random things. Yeah. I mean, inspiration is freaking everywhere. It just is. Mm. But uh, so wait, hold on. How did you and when did you first fall in love with Cher? Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Like, I want to say 25 years ago, maybe. Yeah. I remember standing in my bedroom when I was, uh, gosh, I don't know 
whatever grade I was in and that this boy had just broken up with me. And I just thought it was going to be the end of all that was, (laughs) that was happening (laughs) in my life. And I really loved him. Um, No, I think I was eighth grade or ninth grade or something, but it was years and years ago. And I remember looking out my window (laughs) and crying and just blasting share. And that my friend is the time I found my inner inner strength. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm a total badass. I want to be just like Cher. And from there, I just have always loved her. Every time I find out she's going somewhere, going to be in concert, this, that, or the other, I'm like begging my husband to please get me a ticket. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. We're going. Yeah. So anyways, no, I just, I I've always found her incredibly, like just, just an inspiration. So, you know, with the head thing, I can't believe I don't have a better word for that. I'm gonna work on that. Uh, it's uh, I don't I don't even know what I mean. It's it's a head thing. That's what it is. It's a head thing. Head thing. Yeah. No, it really is from that moment. Like that's when I started loving her. Um, and I think that she just embodies everything that I believe in, at least from what I can see from it, you know, the internet and all of her her books, her movies, things like that. So yeah. yeah. What about you? You love Cher? I love Cher. I freaking love Cher. But for me, I, I just like I mentioned before, like I love Cher's music. I love Cher's personality and her bigger than life presence. But for me, Cher will always be Loretta Castorini from mm-hmm. Moonstruck because mm-hmm. that movie is just my whole heart. And it's very understated Cher. So if you are not a Cher appreciator, number one, you're wrong. Number two, go watch <laughs> Moonstruck and you'll see a whole other side of Cher. Even in burlesque, which is just such a train. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yes, that like was a train wreck. But she's got so many lovely moments. She's just lovely. that was yeah. I mean, she's gorgeous on that cover too. I mean, she's gorgeous anyways. That cover just makes her, you know, all of everything pop. But she is just a lovely human being. I, yeah, I'm all about it. You know, I can't even remember watching Moonstruck though. I'm a little ashamed to say that because I feel like I well now you have know to know everything about her. Yes. Everybody else is going to get homework at the end of this episode. You're getting your homework now. Go watch Moonstruck. You're welcome. Okay. Is it uh, Moon or Mood? And why don't I know about Moon? M O O N. And it's all right. Yeah. And it's fabulous. And you're welcome. Thanks. All right. I got one more share based question for you. Because Okey-dokey. a little bit about cold calling. So let's go to the other side of the phone when people are waiting to talk to us. If in the future, your organization ever requires hold music, what share song would you want to be your hold music? <laughs> like as in me listening on the other end? No, as in you're making people listen to. Uh, well, I would have to say, believe, like, uh, well, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> you're like, wait, mm, think about wait, it. wait a second. Let me think about that. Uh, we all keep, um, no, I'd say believe or strong enough. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, but really any of those, any of her gems would be perfect because I pretty sure I would forget who I was actually on hold for. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'd be like, Oh, Hey, yeah. You're like loudly singing. And then they come back and they're like, ma'am. 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 Yeah. And, you know, hopefully I was holding for someone to sell me something because in that moment I would truly buy because they would have connected emotionally for sure. Okay. You heard music. it here first, y'all. If you <laughs> sales pro to sales pro, if you want to sell to Katrina Summers, play her some share. You heard it here. Katrina, I 
Oh, I just adore oh, you. I'm so glad you came into my life. I'm so glad that I'm not alone in this weird sales lane and also this weird share love. If our listeners out there want to get more of your brilliance in their lives, what is the best way for them to start a conversation with you? Oh, thanks so much for asking me that. I would love it. And the best way I would say Instagram, because I live on Instagram and I love Instagram. I love doing reels because I love to show my silly side. Um, And also though, LinkedIn is my jam lately. And let me tell you why, Annie, if that's okay. Please. Because I have recently, the Katrina Summers brand has recently launched the Opt versus Fail fiasco and we're bridging the gap. And what that means is, I mean, everyone has heard of, I'm sure at some point in their life, of sales sells the dream and ops lives the nightmare or some version. (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to go disrupt the crap out of that thing. So I um, have been living on LinkedIn lately in all seriousness, and I'm offering that service to all of my potential, like where I go and do sales trainings. I've been doing that and it's just been this beautiful transformation amongst hospitality people and, but it's all sales and ops. So thank you. Yes. Instagram at Katrina Summers brand or LinkedIn. Um, also just under my name, Katrina Summers. Uh, but it's been fantastic. I have absolutely adored being here. Annie, you're an incredible person. Collaboration over competition, baby. Collaboration yeah, heard it, heard it here. And oh, hold tight for the tour. I mean, come oh, on. Oh yeah. Come on. We'll bless a bunch of share. There will be share. It's like there will be blood, but there will be share. All right. Well, Katrina and I have to go plan a tour. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. As the very title of this episode suggests, if you only grab one takeaway, I hope it is this. Selling is the doorway to serving. If you don't put yourself out there, you can't help anyone. And if you refuse to include yourself in your own success in the form of asking and receiving compensation, you'll burn out before you can actually make a lasting impact. Now, as I've said many, 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 many times, I never ever expected to teach sales. I freaking hated even the word itself because I had no clue what it really meant. I thought selling was the library of tricks and tactics that sleazy assholes had used to twist my arm in the past. There was no way in hell I was going to inflict that nastiness on my prospects and pals. But I've come to realize and now teach that none of that behavior is truly required. If you redefine selling for yourself, you can banish all that sleaze and show up how you truly want to as long as you're willing to ask. Until you come up with your own definition, you are welcome to use mine. In the Annie Dictionary, selling is defined as solving problems for money. Your homework this week, therefore, is to make a list of the problems you solve for your most beloved clients. Cross out anything that doesn't feel good or within your integrity, or if you go, well, you know, I really should write this on the list. Nope. Let's scale your business based on what works for them and feels great for you. Then, once you've compiled your list, I want you to put them into three buckets, which I call the Goldilocks test. If the problem is quick and easy to solve with the right support, that's a baby bear problem. 
Those are perfect for lead magnets and other freebies, social media posts, and more. If it's meaty and requires more thought or more hand-holding, it's a mama bear problem. These are ideal when used as discovery call homework, free workshops or webinars, or orientation materials or bonuses for your programs. But if it's a massive undertaking, that is a papa bear problem, which means it simply must hang out on the other side of your paywall. Baby bear is public. Mama bear is for leads. But your full-on brilliance is reserved for the folks who invest in you. And also, go watch Moonstruck right now. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, Annie P. Ruggles. What if you never had to sell alone again? If you always felt safe and seen and supported in selling situations because you only had to show up as your best and also most ordinary self. You can profit just by being you without one gimmick, one inch of sleaze. To find out more about our membership, visit www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Too Legitimate to Quit is written and hosted by me, Annie Passanisi Ruggles. Our editor and producer is Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our incredible earworm of a theme tune was composed and performed by Riley Horbasio. Our beautiful show art is by Francois Vigneault. And my beautiful, wonderful, amazing creative director, Georgia Curran, handles my social media accounts with care. Listen, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how your homework is going, what you think of the show, or what topics you'd love to see covered here. Feel free to reach out to me on any platform with messaging. But the best for me are LinkedIn, where you'll find me under my name, Annie P. Ruggles, or on Instagram, where you'll find me at Anniepreneur. And please don't forget to send this show to people that you think would benefit or to drop us a review wherever you listen to podcasts that really helps our show grow. Until next week, remember, you're too legit to quit.